Hey there, welcome back to another episode of MVP Business, where we showcase leaders who live through their mission, vision, and passion to drive growth, profits, and loyalty. Today's guest is Jen Schultz. Jen is the founder of the Non 9 to 5. She dedicates herself to teaching people the steps to take their purpose in the world and make it into reality. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Steph. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you today. Absolutely. Me too. You're such a perfect guest. So tell me a little bit about how you got to this place where you are helping people take that leap into their their passion. Yeah, um, it's a bit of a journey. It's a bit of a crazy story. So we could go back to 2010, so a decade ago. I was a teacher at a a high-performing charter school in the South Bronx of New York City. And I really had found myself um, in a place where I was full of anxiety, just completely an anxiety-ridden human being. I was massively depressed. I um, felt alone. I felt stupid. Um, I felt like a big loser. And um, I was waking up every morning and walking to the the subway near my apartment in New York City in the dark, um, taking that subway to another subway, getting off the subway in the Bronx, walking to the school in the dark, and then leaving the school in the dark. Um, and, and that's just like one small little snippet of what was not working um, with that job. I loved my students. I loved being with them. Um, I loved working with them. But there were a lot of things that I didn't like but it wasn't just that I didn't like these things like waking up at 545 or having to be at the school until six, seven o'clock at night or being told I had to attend all these meetings during the day um, when I really needed to be with my students. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that I just didn't like those things, but there was a real misalignment. I wouldn't have been able to tell you that back then though. (laughs) Um, But as I've gotten older and matured and and been on this this very different journey than back then, I realized that it was just really misaligned. It wasn't for the type of person that I am, Um, not the type of person that uh, I was meant to be. So in December of that year, and we're actually coming just on those 10 years exactly, I walked in on a Monday morning and I gave two weeks notice. Um, and when I left that school, I still felt like a, like a huge loser at that time I was 31. Um, and I thought, what am I going to do? I had, I had gone to school, taken out massive student loans to the, uh, to the fine number of a hundred thousand dollars to attend NYU, to get my master master's degree in education. And I knew leaving that school that I was not meant to go to another school. Oh, wow. I wish it weren't true because I thought maybe that would solve everything, but no. But, but what ended up actually happening after I left was I was able to obtain independent contracting work as a teacher. I worked for a private agency and they gave me one student to work with. And I had all this autonomy. I was able to really be with this one student 
in that time that I was with her or him and decide what I was going to teach them, what they needed rather than someone else or an entire group of people or an administration telling me how it had to be done and what I need to be do and what time and all this stuff. I was able to create deep relationships with the kids' parents, you know, and I was also told what I could and couldn't say to students' parents when I was teaching. This then led me to starting my first business, which was called Teacher on the Go. And I did one-on-one -on -one support um, with all sorts of students. I was a certified special education teacher. So I worked with a lot of kids with different learning disabilities and autism. I homeschooled an autistic child for three years. I was her homeschool teacher. And then, I don't know, it was probably maybe a year or two years into doing that, I started having this realization that it was kind of like, oh, this is, wow. I quit my job and it's been, you know, a year or two years. I think it, I think it was two. Let's just go with two because I can't remember. And um, I was able to, I quit my job. I'm no longer depressed. I'm happy. I'm smiling. I'm not getting up at 5.45 in the morning in the dark. And I'm, I've been able to stand on my own two feet without going back to a full-time job and making enough money to pay my bills to live my life. If I was able to do this, and discover that this is where I'm meant to be. I'm meant to be self-employed. I know intuitively and in my heart that I am not the only person mm -hmm. who is yearning for something like this, that I'm not the only person who has found themselves in job after job after job. Because mind you, we just started this story with me 10 years ago. I didn't tell you what was going on before then. Going job after job after job, feeling so like a fish out of water. Just feeling just so like nuts sometimes. Like I was like the crazy one. And then I got, I can teach people how to do this. Because I've been able to do this for you know a couple of years. And I want to teach people how to do this. And so my teaching and and being of service and support to children was shifting into adults. And in 2013 is when I started the non nine to five. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So there's one thing in your, um, in your story that I saw um, during my research that uh, that we have in common. And I wanted to ask you at what point did you realize that your false narrative of I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not capable of being loved, I'm not, all those things. When did you realize that and how did it change your ability to move forward and succeed? That is such a great question. Um, and of all the interviews I've done, no one's ever asked me that question. So I think it's so great. So, um, you know, I think the, 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 let's call it the not enough energy, right? Cause it could be not blank enough. You can fill in the blank with so many different words. Um, that's been a real process for me. The, there wasn't a day that I woke up and I felt like I'm the most amazing person in the world. Like I am enough, you know, it wasn't anything like that. It's been a process of doing really deep inner work. 
and it it didn't happen um, six years ago. It didn't happen eight years ago. It didn't happen two years ago. It's just been a process of doing really deep inner work. Um, but one thing that I can share with you that um, was a really interesting turning point for me was right before I started this business. Well, let's say eight months before I really like officially started this business, I fell into another depression. And honestly, I think that that depression was like the worst. I had been depressed a couple of times in my life, but this one was even worse than when I was teaching. And um, to kind of give you the, the abridged version of it was that I was trying to start this business but I was completely stuck with what you just shared. I was like, I'm not good enough to start this business. I don't know what I'm doing. So yeah, I quit my job and yeah, I was able to be self-employed in a different way, but, but this and working with adults and, and, and taking what I've created over these past couple of years and bringing this to other people, who's going to listen to me? What do I have to say? And it was really heavy and it was the summer of 2013. And that was, it's just funny. Like when I start making pictures, making images of that, that time, cause I'm a real um, image kind of person in my mind, I make pictures in my mind. I can see myself and I can see what I look like and my energy. And it was just like so heavy. Mm -hmm. So here's the crazy thing that happened during this whole time. I was reading a lot of different books. I was doing a lot of journaling um, because I was, I was, let's just say I was wise enough to know. I knew I was in a depression. I didn't want to be there. I didn't fully know how to get out, but I knew the different things that I could do to support myself. So I was reading a lot. I was attempting at meditating a lot. I was journaling a lot. Um, and I've always been involved in personal growth and development work. So I was doing something related there. And what happened to me was that there was a one, like a one day, like kind of a light bulb thing where I don't know what I read or what I wrote, but something clicked. And I said to myself, how I'm feeling now, like how I've been feeling lately and the, the, the little decisions I'm making day to day right now, those are all fear-based. Mm -hmm. I don't know where that came from. I, maybe I read something or who knows, maybe I was smart enough then to know that. But I was like, this is all fear-based. And so then I asked myself, okay, if this is fear-based, there has to be an opposite of this. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that came to my mind was love. And I remember kind of like snickering and being like, love, like what's, it doesn't even make any sense. But I, but I indulged it. And I was like, okay, let me, let me just see what this is. So I was like, what, you know, there's fear and there's love. And what's the difference between fear and love? And I started having these sort of like, I guess, existential conversations with myself, or I don't know if that's the right word, and journaling and writing. And something started to click that I actually had the ability to completely shift what I was telling myself, what I was thinking, and I could be someone different. Mm -hmm. And so that summer is, was definitely when there was a turning point of the not enoughs because I got clear that there was a massive difference between love and fear. And there were a whole host of decisions that I had made really snap choices, snap decisions that I'd made during that time 
And I was able to look at them and go, oh my gosh, that's fear-based, that's fear-based, that's fear-based. Mm-hmm. And I sprung into action and I started taking actions that I needed to do. And I literally, within maybe two months, um, I moved into my own apartment in New York City. Um, I had told the mother of a student that I was still working with that I wasn't going to work with her anymore. And I continued working with her. Um, and there are a bunch of other things, but just really made this shift. Thank you for talking about all that. And also for starting with the, um, the concept that this is, it wasn't like once I realized that then it was done and it was over. (laughs) I think that, um, the, the, the name, you know, Tim Cook, Steve Jobs, you know, all these different people come up of, you have the picture of these powerful and those are men, but, um, you know, Marissa Meyer, whoever it might be, Oprah, uh, Oprah you know, but, but Oprah does a good job of like showing her flaws and showing her weaknesses mm-hmm. to some extent, but most leaders put out there this, you know, external persona of strength and power. And they, you know, Part of it is because their team needs to know that. But what doesn't get told a lot of the time is that even those people who really are strong and maybe may may or may not be susceptible to to depression, they Mm -hmm. still have those mornings where they wake up and they go, shit, what am I doing? I can't do that. What have I done? I'm not smart enough to lead 50, 500, 5,000 people to that next thing that's, you know, on the horizon. Yeah. Um, and then they have to just get up and go, I'm doing it. I, I can, surely I can, this is where I am, you know, <laughs> and yep. just, you know, do the work to, to push yourself forward. And that work is different for everyone. You mentioned meditation and journaling and, and writing. And, um, you know, I, I've talked about this on the show before that I do meditation, but I have to do it in the morning because I'm too tired at night. Like everybody has their own processes and I try journaling, but it doesn't work for me. That's not, I'm not a journaler, but Mm -hmm. I do, you know, take a walk in the woods every once in a while so that they have that time to have the thought process. Um, So I think that's a really important thing that I'm really glad that you shared with us because it's not just a, Hey, everybody can do this non nine to five thing. Let's do it. Um, it, It takes a lot of work and it's not just once you quit, you're in, you still have to work at it. <laughs> you have to work at it every single day. And it's not just the business you have to work at. It's the self. Yeah. It's, um, it's a word that pops in my mind or that's been popping in my mind as you were saying that is practice. Mm-hmm. It's about practicing. Like, even like you mentioned meditation, right? If we look at meditation or yoga, those are practices, they're practices. And the word practicing means that you're doing it over and over and over and over again. But we're not talking about that old um, saying, uh, practice makes perfect, because there's no such thing as perfect. Practice makes progress. Mm-hmm. Progress gets you closer to certain goals that you want. So we're, I feel that we're always in practice. I'm always practicing. And I'm, I tell my clients, practice, just practice, keep showing up and practicing. I love that. So if you, if you um, are reaching for your pen or pencil and your, and your notepad practice makes progress, write that down, pin it on your board. Um, Don't quote me on it though. Cause I'm sure I was not the first person to say that someone else gets credit for that. 
Essentials. <laughs> so going back to that time when you are, um, you know, walking in, in in the middle of the night in the morning to your job uh, Monday morning, and you put in your notice. Oh boy! What um, what gave you the the power to do that, or was it you were just so so pushed to the edge that you didn't have a choice? And how did your family react to that when you didn't quite know what was next? Such a great question. Are you ready for my answer? Because it's not going to be what anyone expects. <laughs> okay, so that was a Monday in December. That Saturday night um, of living in Manhattan, I was invited to a holiday party at a local bar. And I went to that bar. And here's what I remember. I remember drinking a martini, probably a dirty martini because I love olives and olive brine. I remember probably doing a shot of something. And then what I remember after that was that I actually went behind the bar where the bartenders work. I didn't work there and started pouring drinks for people. Uh oh. I remember getting in a cab with my friends I remember, and I only lived about four or five blocks away. I remember the cab having to stop so I could be sick. <laughs> I remember getting home. I remember waking up the next morning on Sunday. Let's just say my room was a mess. And I had to clean it up. And I remember feeling so low. And like disgustingly depressed and taking loser times a billion. And I remember that Sunday, and I didn't, I basically didn't come out of my room the entire time. At that point, um, I was, at that point I was living in Manhattan. I had two roommates and I hardly even came out during the day from my room that day. And I remember on Sunday evening being on the phone with my dad. My dad had no idea that his daughter had gone out the night before and gotten completely wasted and didn't really remember anything about the day before. But through the months leading up to this, I would talk to my parents on the phone or friends of mine and I'd, I'd break down and I'd cry and I just was really emotional. And I remember saying to my dad, and again, didn't know what had happened the night before, but saying like, I, I can't do this. I don't know if I can go back in and just talking, talking, talking. And I think he got frustrated. And he said, look, if you want to quit, just quit. I remember him saying it just like that. He's like, if you want to quit, quit. You'll find another job. You'll figure it out. And what I realized in retrospect was that I was literally waiting for someone to give me permission. It almost makes me a little bit emotional because I remember being that person, which I am no longer anymore, who would be waiting for someone to say, it's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I needed someone to say that. And I made my mind up and I went in the next morning and I gave those two weeks notice. I was petrified walking in. I probably felt sick to my stomach. I remember sitting in the office of the, the principal and I told her, and I also knew, and I, I said this to her, I go, I am not well. 
I am not mentally well, I am not emotionally well, I am not physically well, and I can't show up for these students in the way that they need me to. And I gave those two weeks notice. And I'll tell you one other thing too, Steph, that was really hard was those next two weeks, and this was right before Christmas, this is right before the holiday break. Mm -hmm. Those next two weeks, the principal would not even look at me. I remember one evening I was shutting the door to my classroom. I see her down the hallway and I went to wave and she just pretended she didn't see me and she turned around and we were the only two in the hallway. And the staff started treating me differently. Um, but you know what, with that said though, something that I did, I mean, it felt horrible for me, but I have realized over the years, it was a new school. There were a lot of new things going on. I think when I think about the principal, I don't think she knew how to handle it. And I thought to myself, I bet she, maybe she made it be about her. Like maybe she thought she failed. Mm -hmm. And some people don't know how to deal with those emotions come. So you ignore people or you shut them out. But that's the story of how it actually went down. Um, so it's not a pretty story and it's, uh, it's pretty vulnerable too. Yes, thank you so much for sharing all that. I, I think a lot of people don't realize, um, you know, just like getting out of a marriage or getting out of other big um, or changing, you know, taking a big move or something like that, you have to get to that very bottom place in order to have the confidence to, to move on. And also, we are always looking for that validation. Like, tell me this is okay. You know, I have a business coach and, um, and I talked to somebody about this not too long ago. They, you know, they said, you know, they talked to their therapist or whatever. And they said, but you know what? We find therapists that agree with us anyway. <laughs> you know, we tell therapists what we want them to hear, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, it's interesting when you are finally really, truly honest with someone, um, you're still looking, you're still sometimes looking for a particular answer and you may hear the same thing over and over no give it more time it's a new school it's a new principal they told me yeah. and then the one person that you trust or even if you didn't even if someone in the bar had told you just quit you'd been like you know what you're right <laughs> I'm gonna go. um, it was time it was time but you had to be at the very bottom to get there yeah um, and I yeah. was I was at that I was at that rock bottom I remember talking to a friend of mine and going I think this is my rock bottom. Like I just felt, you know, everyone has a different version of what a rock bottom is and not everyone will experience a rock bottom, but for those of us who are, um, you know, I, I'm what's referred to as an HSP. I'm a highly sensitive person. So I feel things a lot deeper. Um, I can feel things at a more emotional level. So I, so I was, yeah, I was at my rock bottom for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so that took you from rock bottom to the teaching, um, the one-on-one, -on -one, uh, and then now into the the non-nine to five, showing other people that they can they can take this same journey. Once you started your this journey, or I guess even in that those beginning processes, what was the what are the biggest obstacles that you overcame to start the non-nine to five? Yeah, I'm just thinking. Um... My, my biggest obstacle in starting uh, 
Vine Collective, the agency, was getting past my own expectations of time and getting out of, and speaking of the non nine to five, getting yeah. out of the concept that I had to be like full on accountable from nine to five. <laughs> it's like, oh, wait, I'm my own boss. I can do whatever I want to do. <laughs> you know, I, it's definitely an inner thing. Um, I think that the biggest obstacles and struggles in life in general are not the outer pieces. It's not, it's not necessarily the actions. It's what comes before taking an action. It's, it's what you're saying to yourself about yourself, what you believe, what you don't believe. Um, so I would sum it up in saying my own limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. my own, my own beliefs in like, I can't do this. I'll never do this. I won't create this. I should have done this. I shouldn't do that. Um, and I think even like when I, when I did start this work, um, all of that stuff was swimming around for me. Um, and it was still the, like, are people going to really want help from me? Are people really going to listen to me? Like, who am I? Um, but what I did was, um, I started working with my business mentor and I'm still working with her over seven years. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have coaches as well. And I'll tell you without that support in place, there's no way I would be where I am now. There's no way I would have um, moved through and moved past all my various limiting beliefs. Like, I'll never make money. I'll never do this. No one likes me. No one wants to work with me. Without that long-term support in place, those limiting beliefs would still be showing up in a massive, massive way. So I don't know if I answered your question. I kind of I kind of went like, went off. <laughs> no, I absolutely did, because I think that you're right. Um, people who have not had a business before, um, it's really easy as an employee to judge decisions that other people make like, oh, well, you should do this. You should have done that. You should, in course, the, you know, the, um, you know, sideline coach kind of concept. But um, once you get into any sort of leadership dis- position, but most especially when you start your own business and you're, you are in charge of everyone else's, or even if it's a, you know, sole proprietorship and you don't have a team, um, what people don't realize is that the most difficult part of the game is not necessarily coming up with the new ideas and innovation um, or leading the team. It is that inner work. It's, you know, keeping yourself at a mental, physical, um, you know, place where you can lead and you can take charge and you can show up for your clients in a way that is healthy for everyone. That is the hardest part of running a business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So thank you for, for amplifying that. Would you go back and do anything differently now that you've been on this journey for 10 years? Yep. The one thing that I know for sure is I would have had support of my, for my business mentor a lot sooner than what I did. I would have had that support in place right from the get-go um, because I quit my job in December of 2010, I did not start receiving that support until about September 
of 2013. Mm. That's almost three years of me trying to do it by myself. Um, And it's interesting too. I personally believe in, um, let's call it like a long-term support model. So So within my business, and my ideal is that I work with my clients for long periods of time because I know that this is not a one and done. This does not take a month. This does not take three months. This does not take six months. This does not take one year. Um, had I had that support in place earlier, things would have definitely felt easier for me. I do firmly believe in things will go the way that they're meant to go. You know, it was meant to, the way it was meant to happen, it was meant to happen. Uh, But that's a for sure. And, and it's the same thing with my clients too, because the clients that I work with for longer periods of time, I see the difference. Those who are committed, those who are willing to practice, those who are willing to be uncomfortable, those who are willing to have those uncomfortable conversations with me um, and continue doing it and doing it and doing it, they, they transform, they make progress, they were able to have successful and sustainable businesses, they're able to quit their nine to five jobs. Um, so yeah, that's my answer. That I, I love that. I, um, I have a, I've talked about it many times. Bill Small is my business coach and I've, um, you know, worked with Letty Sanchez and, uh, I, you know, I still like you do like constant, you know, personal growth and all this stuff. And the individual personal growth is always very helpful. Um, but there's no one to hold me accountable or say like, do you hear what you're saying? Do you yeah. hear what you said five minutes ago and what you're saying now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you know what you told me two months ago this and now right. I'm this how do those align um and what I've found very interesting that I didn't realize before I had a coach um a business coach is that business coaching is like business therapy <laughs> there's so much more to it than than accountability right yeah. oh Which, my gosh there are yeah there is Tell me a little bit about your process, what it looks like to, to work with Jen Schultz when you, when somebody comes to talk to you about the, the non nine to five, what, what state are they usually in? Mm-hmm. And then what does that process look like? Or what would you like it to look like? Yeah. Um, it's a great question. The first thing I want to say is it's funny when you're saying like business therapy, I have had a, a number of people tell me that what I do is like, therapy for entrepreneurs. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm honored. Um, cause I'm not a licensed therapist, but you know, I guess we go in that direction without even realizing it. Um, when I, so when I connect with folks, um, they're, they're in a lot of different, they can be in a lot of different spaces from one person to the next, but, but in general, um, the people that I'm connecting with, they know in their heart that they're meant to be working for themselves. They know that for sure. And they also have a deep desire 
to serve and support other people, of really making a difference, of leaving their mark, of um, uh, creating a mission, doing purposeful work on their own terms. Mm -hmm. And obviously not being in the nine to five, being in the non nine to five. Um, and then when someone steps into work with me, um, they can work with me in a six month program or a year long program. And I am actually currently doing a group program right now. It's our second time doing it. It's going really well. And I think there might be a third coming up as well. Um, we go through um, if it's the one-on-one -on -one work with me, we go through a six step process. Um, and these are basically, I call them steps to living the non nine to five way. Um, they don't go in chronological order, but some of them include, cause I'll tell you every time I've created this and every time someone asks me, I blank out. I did an interview a couple of months ago and someone's like, what are those six steps? And all of a sudden I blanked out. There's some weird thing. I think, I think it's like an old pattern of mine. Like when I used to get nervous, when people would um, observe me teaching and all of a sudden I would forget everything I was meant to say. Mm -hmm. There's gotta be something around it being like curriculum or something. No, I do it too. And I always say that it's kind of like when you're asked to do a math problem on the board in front of a class, it's like all of a sudden you don't know how to add two plus yeah. two. I do it with names. I do it like if I'm on the spot. When I was a kid, they I would have when we did like Mad Minutes, and I don't they don't have those anymore. But you'd have to do like a whole sheet of you know multiplication or addition. Uh, yeah. In one minute. I I didn't pass addition because, <laughs> because I knew it. Yeah. But the, the time and the pressure. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> I can't do yeah. it. Well, that's that. It's feeling that pressure. But let's see if I can do it. Let's see if I can remember my six steps that I created. So we have a shift from employee to entrepreneur, or though I think maybe I call it shifting from employee to entrepreneur mindset. So it's really about going from what it actually, what it feels like, what it looks like to be an employee versus to be an entrepreneur. They're completely different. And you actually have to like train, you have to train yourself to be able to step into that. Um, another step is called stand on your own two feet. Um, another step is called pursue your non nine to five purpose. Another one is about announcing your non nine to five purpose. Um, another one is tap into an, into intuition to stay the course. I think I definitely forgot one in there, but we go through these six steps, um, and not in chronological order. And I, I say that. I never used to say that, but I had a speaking engagement um, earlier this year, almost a year ago. And I was, I was talking to them about the six steps and a gal there raised her hand. She said, you know, I, oh, I know what I, the step that I forgot. The most important one, it's actually called quit your job. <laughs> quit your job. She asked about that step because I actually have it as step number two. And she goes, what if I'm not ready yet to quit my job? And that's step number two. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad you asked this question because no one has ever asked this question before. And I usually don't share this because no one has ever asked this question. These steps are not meant to go in chronological order. Mm -hmm. I meet people where they are and I'm able to assess from what they're sharing with me where we need to go mm -hmm. first and what really needs to be done first. Because 
it doesn't mean that we're going to start working. We're going to all of a sudden start like creating like what your business is. For a lot of people, there's a lot of, of energy and emotions and learning how to actually commit to this process and taking steps in terms of like, what does it mean to actually commit? What does it mean to be consistent? What does it look like to actually be willing to keep showing up and showing up and showing up? Yeah, you know, you mentioned a, a word in there and it reminded me of another word you mentioned before. Uh, the first word that you mentioned was no. You said that your um, your clients, not, not no, like I'm not gonna do it, but no. Oh. Knowing. Um, no, is that's a different, we'll, we'll go into that in a little bit, but um, a knowing they know that they are meant to, um, to do their own thing or that they're meant to, to run their own business or pursue a particular passion. The other word is intuition that you brought yes. up the two yes. go hand in hand, um, not necessarily the same, but they can be for depending on what you're going for. So how do you suggest, or how do you walk your clients in through the process of understanding and becoming clear about their intuition? I'm so glad you asked this question. Um, because intuition is a really, really huge part of all of this. Um, and I love teaching about it and I love supporting people around their intuition. And there's a couple of different ways. Um, there are these writing tools that I did not create. My mentor created them and she shared them with me and I share these with my clients. It's a very specific type of writing. It's not journaling. It's not just jotting down notes. It's, it's very mindful and it helps you get connected. Um, let me say it this way. It helps you get connected to your higher power, whatever language resonates for you. If you want to say higher power, if you want to say universe, you want to say God, you want to say the divine, doesn't matter. And when you're connected to that higher power, you can access your intuition because that higher power is steering you in the direction that you're meant to go. Um, you know, I simply also share with people to practice going to this place of what do you feel deep down? We use that term deep down. You know, people say deep down, I just know. Deep down, I can feel it's going to be blank. And so I'm always coming back to those feelings. Like, what do you feel in your gut? What do you know deep down? What do you feel in your heart? What is, there's, so there's, there's also two different voices that we have, if you will. I'm calling them voices. One is, one is the, um, the ego mind, mm -hmm. which can also be known as the fear-based mind. Mm -hmm. And the other is the intuitive mind. And this is how I teach this. So let's say that like, this is the ego mind and this is the intuitive mind. The ego mind's voice is, um, there's different words that you can use to describe it, but just a couple, the ego minds, the ego minds voice can feel jarring. It can feel berating. It can feel mean. Um, it can feel loud or it can be loud. Um, the ego mind can live in confusion and overwhelm and procrastination and perfectionism and depression and anxiety and frustration. 
And then the intuitive mind has such a, a grounding, calm, serene, um, gentle, somewhat quiet way of speaking to you. Where the training comes into place is being able to actually know which is which. Mm-hmm. Because there are going to be times where maybe the ego mind doesn't sound so loud and you can't tell, is it ego? Is it intuition? With practice, practice the listening of both of them. You get, you working that muscle, you get stronger and stronger and stronger to be able to decipher which is which. And that helps you like that step I shared before, it's step number six, and I remembered it, is tap into intuition to stay the course. Mm-hmm. The only way we can stay this non nine to five course is to have a super tight relationship with our intuition. And it takes time. Like I said before, it's not three months, six months, one year. I practice and work on having a deeper relationship with my intuition every single day. I just came out of an intensive uh, four-day training with my business mentor where a lot of the work we did was around intuition. And I was able to see the areas where I'm not fully listening to my own intuition. And so now I'm in the process of creating a plan to literally be in practice with that every single day. Speaking of that, what what practices do you have on a daily basis or a weekly basis or annual, something like that, where you, um, you check into that intuition or keep yourself on track? Yeah, that's a great question. So the first thing <clears throat> are those tools I mentioned before, those writing tools that I did not create that my mentor created. And they have you really tune into that higher power and then connect into your intuition. I use those tools every day. So I'm writing in the morning every day. I also, and I was just doing it this morning, I have a notebook that I started a little bit over two years ago. And um, I created my own tool um, called the Intuitive Tracker, where, and you can do it in different ways, because I've noticed for me, it's not a daily thing. But, it's, but it needs to be done at least one time a week. I usually do it anywhere from one to three times a week. But I'll be honest with you, there are some times that I kind of fall off of, of that. Um, but I will track my intuitive hits. And I just have to track one. So, um, wait, I just lost my train of thought. Can you go back to your question? I start talking and I want to make sure that I'm not going off and like saying the same thing I just said before. So the question is, what do you do on a, on an ongoing regular basis to, to, um, stay on the, on track or to stay aligned to your intuition? Okay. I was answering the question for some reason, my mind, my ego mind was like, you're not answering the questions. And I was like, wait a minute. And actually I was, because my intuition was guiding me there. So interesting. Um, So I track my intuition in a notebook. And actually I was very excited to see, my notebook is right here, that today was number 117. So I've tracked my intuition 117 times. Um, 
you know, I also do, do little things like I, I mean, maybe this isn't so little, but in the same notebook, I do, um, I keep a gratitude list. I just do five things. And I'll also tell you that today I hit day 90. Um, these types of things help me stay connected to, for lack of a better word, positive energy. And your intuition is totally connected to positive energy. Mm -hmm. It's just like I shared before earlier, um, love versus fear. I don't know if you're familiar with the, um, I think she was a psychologist and I know she's, she was an author, um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She mm -hmm. had a, an interna international best-selling book, I think it's called On Death and Dying. And she teaches that we basically only have two feelings, two emotions. One's love and the other one is fear. Everything under the love category is all the quote unquote positive emotions. Everything under the fear category are all the negative emotions. So intuition, while, while intuition is not a feeling or an emotion, anything that falls within intuition is going to fall in the love positive category. Mm -hmm. Anything outside of your intuition is going to fall under the fear negative category, which I think is pretty interesting when you think about it like that. Yes, absolutely. That is really interesting. Um, you know, I, I go, I was thinking during your comment about the, the journaling um, and writing your intuitions. Uh, one thing that I realized several years ago, I used to get onto myself about like going to big conferences, writing all these notes and plans, and then, um, you know, getting lost in the daily business of business and not putting new practices in, into action until I made the practice of um, making sure that I read my notes before I went to next year's conference. Yeah. And what I realized was that um, like 80% of the stuff that I had intended to put into practice, I did. And so I beat myself up for like, oh my gosh, I didn't stop and like put in and have da, 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 da. And then I look back and I go, you know what? I did. I did that. And part of it is manifestation because you put this vision and this visual image of what you're going to do and what your business is going to look like, you know, in, in however many years. And part of it is the practice of, of intention and intuition. Mm -hmm. And if your intuition and your intention was correct, when you, you know, like for in this example, like wrote those notes about what you wanted your business to be like, mm -hmm. then you will move on that path. But um, the more that you intentionally move into those intuitions, the faster and more clearly you can get there. Mm -hmm. And if you put in a practice of checking that mm -hmm. intuition journal to say, am I on track? Was that, was that intuition correct? How did that play out? Then you'll know when to celebrate those, mm -hmm. those wins. Mm -hmm. And um, and you'll realize that following your intuition is guiding you on the right path. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll also add there too, that because, because basically you're saying it, and we're talking about um, something that's really imperative that I've learned is consistency mm -hmm. and doing things over and over and over and over again, you know, like with my notebook, if I just stop doing it, if I was like, I'm not doing this anymore, 
Or if I stop doing it, I'm like, oh, I haven't done that. Uh, I don't need to pick it up anymore anyway. Let me just leave it. I've already, you know, stopped doing it. That's not going to support our growth. So like with your notes, you were saying before a conference, I'm sure you know that if you consistently read those notes, if you commit to consistently reading those notes, it's going to make a difference or taking those notes and then creating actions. It has to be done consistently. Um, I used to be a very inconsistent person. You know, I'd maybe do something that I'd stop doing it, maybe do something that I'd stop doing it but it really takes something to do something consistently. And um, that was a learned process for me. I had to really learn how to do that. But in turn, I've watched how my life feels so much easier just in general. And so, and I teach my clients about how to learn, how to practice, how to be consistent, um, especially in the areas that we don't, we were like, I don't really want to be, you know, we make excuses or, and especially in the areas that we need to be. Yeah. And to that point, it's kind of like dieting just because you fall off the practice doesn't mean that it's not worth coming back to. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so what advice would you have for anyone who is out there questioning whether or not they should take their leap toward their, their, what they are feeling intuitively drawn to toward a particular purpose or passion? Yeah, I think the, f- the first thing is that if you're feeling intuitively drawn to a certain purpose or passion that's outside of your nine to five, you definitely want to ask yourself, um, is this passion of mine? Is this purpose of mine? Is it something that I really envision? I really see myself doing full time as my business. Um, that's first and foremost, because stepping out into the world of self-employment, being a business owner, being an entrepreneur, whatever language you want to use is not necessarily for everyone. And that's okay. Um, you want to ask yourself, is this for me? Mm -hmm. Um, and then ask yourself, how committed am I to this thing? And there's no right or wrong. And there's definitely no judgment. It's really a personal choice and a choice point to get clear if that's what you're meant to do. And then if it is, and you have this burning desire, you have this feeling in your heart, in your gut, deep down, you know, that you're really not meant to be working for someone else. Great. Because now you're clear. And, um, the first step from there is to start creating a bit of a plan for yourself. I, you know, my story is that I gave two weeks notice on a Monday morning and that wasn't really planned until the Sunday before, if you want to call it a plan. But I don't tell people to just go and quit their job. I don't advocate for that. What I support people in doing is creating a plan. Because there are steps you can put in place. They're easy to take steps. Just baby steps that you can take until you get to the place where you're ready to make that shift. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and for most, almost all of the people I work with, we start, I mean, we really start with getting clear on that purpose. You know, they obviously they have to know they want to be a business. Um, getting clear on that purpose and actually laying down the beginning foundation steps to the business. And while we're doing that, creating a plan in terms of when does it make the most sense for you as an individual to then shift out of your job. And it's going to be different for everyone because it's really about, uh, I, I say this from time to time, I take a holistic approach, if you will, because business and life are, they're not separate. You know, you're one person. We can't, we have to look at the whole picture. We have to take into consideration what kind of person are you? Are you a person that moves a little bit slower? Are you a person that, um, you know, maybe you're in a job where you don't love the job, but you're not, you know, depressed and mentally checked out. So we can create a bit of a, of just an easier, I don't want to say easier, just a bit of a longer plan. But if you're someone where you're in a toxic job and you just want to get the heck out, well, we create something different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Tell me about what you have coming up in the future um, with the non nine to five. Yeah. Thank you for asking. I'm really excited. And this totally ties into your question about intuition too. So Coming up on Friday, December 11th, uh, from 11 a.m. Central to 2 p.m. Central, I am teaching a virtual masterclass, and it's called Master Your Inner GPS. Hmm. It's all about uh, two key steps to really stepping into your non-nine-to-five purpose. So inner GPS, you might guess what that's connected to. Um, It's virtual, which I'm super excited about. I'm going to be teaching curriculum that I haven't taught before. So this is content, or I really should call it curriculum, um, that I've been designing specifically for this class. Um, And the two key steps are two things that I have been practicing myself, working with, and working on for years now. So I'm super excited to really be able to teach this. Um, And, oh, and I should probably mention this too, because this is really cool. So the tuition to attend is $97, and you can bring a friend for free. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's like two people come for $97, and you could either like, you know, register yourself for $97 and gift, you know, the second ticket that comes with it to your friend, or you can register for $97 and then split the cost with a friend, which is what, like 40, I can't do math, $49 or $48 or something, $48.50 per person. And it's three hours virtual with me teaching away. Um, It's going to be interactive. It'll be fun. And the, the concepts and curriculum are really going to be deep and rich. Awesome. It's there. What's the URL? Where, where can we find the registration? Well, here's the thing. It's a really long URL <laughs> to register. <laughs> um, can we put it in like the show notes or something? Is that something we can do? 
Mm-hmm. But what you could, but what you could also do is you could just email me directly, Jen J E N at the non nine to five dot com, and I can send you the link. It's via Jot form, and I am one of these people that is not technologically savvy, so I'd be like, "Here's the very long, like six seven five four three W two. No one's gonna remember that." Nice. Very cool. Um, There's also a resource on the non nine to five that, um, that I thought was really cool. Uh, I talked to you about it when we first um, got on uh, before we started recording the um, number one step to staying with your business mission. I thought that was a really cool resource. um, And I think that that's another one that listeners of MVP business might be interested in. So you can find that at the non nine to five.com. Yes, right at the website. When you go on to 995.com, you just put your first name in your email and you'll get it sent right to you. Very cool. Thank you so much, Jen. Is there anything else that you want to share with us before we have to go? No, just thank you so much for having me. And, you know, if you know that you are meant to pursue your 995 purpose, the world is waiting for you. Because I truly believe that those people that know they're meant to pursue their 995 purpose have a gift to share. They're meant to be doing it. And your, your future clients or customers are waiting for you because they need what you are here to give and to provide. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much. I really enjoyed the conversation and hope we have many, many more in the future. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, so what did you think of MVP Business? If you liked it, please subscribe and tell all your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you didn't like it, don't just leave. Let me know what I can do to improve, who you'd like to hear from, and what you'd like to learn. The mission of MVP Business is to share the strengths and struggles of leaders who have successfully grown their businesses while staying true to their mission and vision so that other entrepreneurs can follow, knowing that the path isn't easy, but the journey's worth it. If you believe in this mission, please help by living it and sharing it. In the meantime, enjoy the day and live with passion.